This is the Westbrook Community Church Sermon Series. Sunday, December 3, 2023. What a beautiful name, wonderful counselor. People's hearts, the, the number that you've put there is the number that we can see in this December so we can continue to do what you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. Thanks for taking the wrapping paper, too. But we want, we want, take one of those. We, we really need, we got a lot of them and we need to get them out of here, okay? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just appreciate Nate so much. He's done a great job uh, with the student ministry and with other activities he's been in. And we just really uh, are glad that he's here and he's on staff. Hey, we're starting our, our Christmas uh, Advent series and we're calling it What, what a Beautiful Name. And we're taking it out of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is in the Old Testament. And Isaiah was a prophet. And he was a prophet that lived 700 years before Jesus was born. And he made these predictions about what Jesus would do and how he would come. And they're throughout the book of Isaiah. And we're going to focus on on one specific area in Isaiah 9. But what Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. That's the kingdom of Judah. And if you remember, in the Old Testament, there were three kings that were in the united kingdom of Israel. That was Saul and David and Solomon. But after Solomon, there was conflict, which you'd expect. And these two nations split. The nation of Israel split. So Israel was in the northern part of the, the country and Judah was in the southern part around Jerusalem. And not only did they split them, but, but throughout their history, they were in conflict with each other. And, and in the background of Isaiah 9 was that Israel was about to attack Judah. And, and the king of Judah was afraid. And he didn't know what to do. And Isaiah went to him and said, hey, what you got to do is is repent and and turn your ways and trust God and he'll protect you from Israel. Well, King Ahaz thought about that for a moment and said, hey, I got a better idea. Why don't I go to Assyria, which is the power, uh, the, the powerful kingdom at that time. And he goes, I'll make an alliance with Syria and Assyria will attack Israel. So he didn't repent. He didn't turn from God. He didn't listen to Isaiah. And he went and made this alliance with Assyria. And lo and behold, Assyria came and completely wipes out Israel. And King Ahaz is feeling real good about that until the army of Assyria didn't stop at Israel. But they turned south and started attacking Judah. And Isaiah comes to him and says, hey, this isn't going to go well. You're not going to be destroyed, but, but there's going to be some bad times because of your disobedience. But he said, don't worry about it. Things will get worse before they get better, but they're going to get better. In fact, I have some good news for you. There's going to be good news in the midst of all this bad that's happening. And that's when Isaiah prophesies about Jesus coming. And look what he says in in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. 
He says, Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with righteousness, justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah said, in the midst of this bad situation, there's good news to look forward to. And 700 years later, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And what I think is cool about this prophecy is that Isaiah gives Jesus four names. He says, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So these next four weeks in Advent, we're going to take each of those and talk about those and talk about what they mean. Because if you think about it, parents naming their children is an important part of what parents do. And what we do in our culture is we find a name, maybe it's a name from our family in the past, a grandparent or or great-grandparent, and we name our child that, or maybe it's just a name that we like. I remember when we were trying to come up with a name for our firstborn son. It was really a struggle. And it was a struggle because I would find a name that I really like. And I'd go to Julie and I'd say, Julie, how about this name? And she goes, no, I had a student once and didn't really like him. And I don't, I don't want to use that name. I'll think of that kid every time I call my son. And uh, I don't like it. And that happened repeatedly. I kept bringing her name. She kept saying, no, there's that one kid that one time. And I said, well, you've had so many students over the years. As a teacher, how are we going to find a name? And finally, we landed on one. That she didn't have a student that she didn't like from there. And we moved forward. And that's the important part of being a parent is naming your child. And you usually do that from a family name or a name you like, or, or you avoid a student that you didn't like in the past, right? That's how we do it. But, but in the Old Testament times, names were even more important than they are today because names back then carried qualities like character qualities that they wanted the child to have. Or maybe it was a special task that, that these parents believed this child was going to fulfill. And, and so they'd name him with that thought in mind. So names were very important in the biblical times to, to communicate character qualities, to communicate purpose and meaning and direction. So they were much more important. And today, we're going to take the first name that Isaiah calls Jesus. And he calls him Wonderful Counselor. Now, Counselor, we can get our arms around that, right? That's a psychologist or, or a, a counselor that, that you go to. 
And think about it. As you've been the one, what's the best advice you've got? Or what's the worst advice you've gotten from a counselor? I remember before we were even married, Julie and I were getting serious in our relationship and we were thinking about getting married, but we were always button heads. We're both strong personalities and we were fighting and, and in conflict all the time. And there was many times when I thought, this isn't going to work. We can't get married. Can't even get along. And it got to the point where we said, we got to decide whether this is going to work. And we thought, well, let's go to a counselor. Well, let's go to somebody and maybe they could help us figure out whether we should move forward in this relationship. And so we found a, a counselor that some friends suggested and got an appointment with him, got an hour-long appointment with him. We went to him. And for the first 10 minutes of the session, he asked us questions, got a little background on where we were and what we were doing. And then for the next 50 minutes, he just lectured to us about what we should do in our relationship. And I remember walking out of there going, that was great. That's exactly what we need to do. He was right on. This is exciting. I'm fired up. And we get in the car and I turn to Julie. I go, Julie, wasn't that great? He said exactly what we need to do to make our relationship work. And as soon as I said it, I look over and she just bursts out into tears. Now, I wasn't real sharp at the time, but, but I thought, okay, she does not share my enthusiasm. <laughs> and I said, what's wrong? The guy told us what we need to do. He, she said, well, he didn't even ask. He didn't even know our names. He didn't ask our names. He didn't ask questions. He didn't draw us out. He didn't help us figure out our problems. And I thought, he told us what to do. That's what I liked. And I go, I don't care if he knows my name. I, I don't care if he asks me questions. I, I, I don't care if I ever see this guy again. Personally, I'm just glad he told us what to do. And, and she goes, that was awful. And, and I remember driving away thinking, how is this ever going to work? We're so different. And, and so when I tell that story, I say that we got the best advice and the worst advice in the same session, okay? Which is easier because it's cheaper if you just do it all in one, right? <laughs> but, but this name that, that Isaiah gives Jesus is wonderful counselor. And in the original Hebrew, uh, wonderful isn't even a, an adjective. It's a noun. So, so a literal translation of this would be wonder counselor. And you got to think, what does that mean? Wonder counselor. Well, as you look through the, the Old Testament, you see over the course of time, people talking about God's wonders. And when they talk about God's wonders, they talk about his miracles, his awe-inspiring deeds, his acts. Like, for example, when the Israelites fled Egypt and, and the Egyptian army was chasing them, they got to the Red Sea 
And God miraculously parted the Red Sea so they could walk across on dry land. And then when the Egyptian army got there on dry land, those walls that were coming up on the sides, they collapsed and all the Egyptian army drowned. And when they got to the other side, Miriam, Moses' sister got a tambourine and she started singing praise to God. And part of her song was Exodus 15:11, which says this. It says, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Or take when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And he had said to the people, as they were celebrating and partying, he said, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. So again, there's that idea of the wonders that God does. And then 